there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First with me, your hostess with the mostest, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. I'm actually bringing back a guest that I had several weeks ago, Dr. Jeff Cohn. He and I were getting in talking, and he was talking about a medical app startup that he was a part of that was really intriguing to me. So I brought him on the podcast to talk about how he got involved with it and the role that it is doing now with frontline healthcare workers. And I thought maybe you would enjoy this conversation too. I know there's some techie people out there who have some great ideas and you need to develop an app or be part of a medical startup as well. So listen to this conversation and then later make sure you download the app Humming, H-U-M-M, I-N apostrophe and come join me there as we track gratitude and vulnerability. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. Dr. Jeff Cohn, I'm so glad to have you back talking about a different topic than what we did last time. Great to be back. I enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure this will be a great one too. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring you back for another conversation because you are just eclectic, multi-passionate, things all over the map. And you were telling me about a project where it was integrating emotions and technology. So Tell me how you got started in this project and how you got recruited as as the medical advisor. Sure. So it began, as often is the case, through a relationship. About five years or so ago, I found myself at an after-conference event uh, in San Francisco, sitting at a table next to a guy who could be my son, age-wise. And uh, we were working together. He's a designer who teaches in the business school at University of California, Berkeley. And we were looking to design something as an after-conference action event. And we just really hit it off and said, let's stay in touch. Let's see if we can ever find a way to do something together professionally. So we did stay in touch through the years. Actually, as I became a professional coach, he agreed to be one of my guinea pig first clients for me to cut my teeth on. And so I owe him a debt of gratitude for that. Anyway, pandemic came in March of 2020, and he contacted me and said, Dr. Jeff, which he calls me because his name's Jeff too, and I call him Professor Jeff. We're pulling together a a virtual design sprint to try and use human-centered design thinking to ideate on behalf of various groups of people being severely impacted by this pandemic. Want to join? We're going to be meeting Saturdays for two hours virtually through Zoom and using other online tools. So I said, sure. So it turns out there were about 60, 70 people who signed up for these events from four or five continents. And we used design thinking, which is a lot about um, first trying to understand what the 
challenges are being faced by the folks that you're looking to design on behalf of, and then beginning to prototype and get feedback and pivot and that sort of stuff. So anyway, we self-organized into focusing on three groups, elderly folks who were relying on technology to stay in touch with people and were scared to death of that, young people who maybe had just finished college and were supposed to be entering life, but now we're stuck at home, and then frontline healthcare professionals. Uh, And I decided to join that group. So there were all kinds of challenges being faced that we might have chosen to focus on, but we wound up deciding to look at the the challenge of the emotional well-being of people on the front line. We heard about burnout and suicide and uh, things that were there in the, the lives of people on healthcare front lines, but which were having a magnifying glass and spotlight shown on them because of everything going on on the in the pandemic. So that's how I got involved. Some of the people on my little subgroup were clinical, I had clinical backgrounds, but most were attracted to the design thinking aspect of this. And then with that, deciding you were going to do the emotional well-being of frontline workers, what was the what was the discussion like of like, well, what are we going to do about this? You know, not just put out like heroes work here signs, but like really actually trying to like make an impact. What was it like in that kind of conversations with this group? There were a couple of there was a story and an image that really stuck with us in some of our early interactions. The story was actually from a physician that I was working with as a coach. And he talked about realizing as he was putting on his mask to leave his car and enter the hospital that he was frightened and feeling bad that that's how he was coming into work every day. And, and then sharing how he was feeling with people at work and people that he had trained with over the course of days and and a week or two and realizing after he was engaged in these numerous conversations and hearing others expressing the same fears as him that even though he was facing the same risks as he was when he first became self-aware of his fear he wasn't feeling as fearful anymore. So allowing himself to be vulnerable somehow had a protective effect, at least mentally. That was one very influential story that impacted how we were working together. Another was the image that came out of all these patients being cared for in critical care units with the the story that was coming from hospital after hospital, that these are the sickest patients we've ever taken care of. So we knew that these patients were hooked up to life support and monitors and had displays of vital signs and labs 
with the goal of trying to visually display everything that could be useful to the clinicians in helping to provide as good care as possible for these critically ill people. So there's a a bunch of visuals for that, and yet nothing to visually display how the people providing care are doing. And so we said, what might we be able to do to make the invisible visible, to have something that reflects how people are feeling, how they're doing on anything close to a real-time basis. Right. And so those ideas started rolling around. You're working with, I would imagine, brilliant designers and creatives. And and so how did you take a conceptual idea and make it an actual thing then, which is in the form of an app to our audience who doesn't know that yet? Right, right. So initially, so we we knew we wanted to do something around emotional well-being. And in doing various kinds of brainstorming approaches, somebody started talking about emotions as though they were part of a garden. And one flower in a garden might reflect one emotion and another might reflect another and flowers could be healthy or flowers could be sick. They need sunlight. They need water. Hummingbirds go from, and bees go from flower to flower and are part of keeping these alive. So we started to create a visual initially that made, uh, was made to look like a flower garden over the course of time. And reflecting between five and 10 different emotions over the course of time based on simplicity and feedback, as well as evidence from the literature, we wound up deciding to land on two emotions, vulnerability and gratitude. We wound up moving beyond the flower and just but staying with the color aspect that the flowers brought to us. And so we developed a way of displaying how people are feeling in color format using those two emotions as being on opposite ends of like a spectrum, a color spectrum. And so why settling on vulnerability and gratitude, might I ask? I think both are closely tied to burnout and its cousin well-being. Both seem to be uh, associated with post-traumatic growth and people who allow themselves to be vulnerable and share how they're doing and discover I'm not in it alone because others are willing to share that, that, that that's how, that helps them get through even the worst personal professional crises they can and gratitude similarly can be part of the the healing process of getting through significant trauma. So you guys got all your information together. You kind of settled on a basic plan. You let the techie people do their stuff with the app build, I would imagine. (laughs) And then you launched, right? 
we did. And, uh, and we've alphaed it with several different groups of clinicians and have gotten extremely positive feedback so far. This idea of seeing something visually that people maybe had thoughts about how they were doing personally, they've found it to be extremely eye-opening. Like I thought that I was doing differently than what the picture is showing me. Maybe at the end of the day, I'm feeling exhausted, but then I look at the image and I realize, you know what? I had several times during the last few days where I've expressed gratitude and taken the couple of seconds to enter it into this app. And that makes me feel better remembering that I've had these episodes over the course of the last few days. So I have it on my phone and that's what I was pulling up as as we've been talking. And I since you had told me that you're a part of this group, I've been kind of like cruising the app and, and seeing what it's about. I always find gratitude extremely difficult. I'll be, you know, gratitude journals. I've ranted about it here on the podcast. But I have found when I can do it in small snippets, like a post-it note or on here, it's three pushes of the button, that it has been worthwhile for me. Can you talk about some of the data that you guys have found after you did your alpha testing and have kind of launched it large scale? Yes, yes. And we're still really, really early Mm -hmm. in this journey. But a couple of the groups that even had the app uh, for a couple of weeks were pre-post tested using a questionnaire that measures various kinds of stress and depression and had small, but at least uh, according to our researchers, statistically significant improvements in the direction that you would want it to go with less stress and uh, less sense of being depressed. The qualitative stuff to me is more important. Like initially when we were trying this out with people, we took the app away from them after the couple of weeks that they were playing with it. And they would say things to us like, when am I getting the app back? And this gave me a very different and better sense of how we as a team are doing on the app, you can you can choose to just focus on yourself if you want to, and you can also do it as part of a hum group. Um, we call them a group of teammates that you work with or that you're just close to. But I think ideally, it's it's best utilized for people that actually work together um, if they're willing to share information together. So you can see how we collectively are doing in addition to how you as an individual are doing. And they said that when we got to see how we as a group we were doing, not only was it new, important information, it was actionable. It made us want to learn about why we're feeling this way. And you know, if it was because of something problematic, we want to do something to lessen that or relieve it. If it's because something good is happening, let's figure out how to do more of it. Right. Absolutely. So from an idea where you just got an invitation to join 
60, 70 other people to actually now being part of a project that you're seeing is is making a small impact from your ideas. Where do you think this is going to go next for you? An interesting thing that has emerged as kind of a surprise about what the potential value of, of this approach is relates to the data aspect itself. You know, the usual way that healthcare organizations are trying to stay on top of their burnout, emotional well-being challenge is through the use of surveys, um, you know, validated instruments with a good body of evidence supporting their validity and um, utility. The challenge with these surveys is A, they're lagging, and B, they can only be done at most maybe a couple of times a year. Many institutions do it just once a year. I know there are some places that are using some surveys as frequently as monthly, and that's great in theory, but we've heard about significant drop-off rates and participation, sometimes even into the second month that they're being utilized. So this provides data in real time. And while it's different data than what a survey produces, it gives some sense of what's happening in a unit across a team and for those doing it in an organization across an organization, potentially highlighting areas where they need to go figure out what the problem is or to learn what's working so well that the rest of the organization can learn about it. It's almost like taking the emotional pulse exactly. of, of your people, like yeah. the vital signs. Exactly. And, you know, we heard stories about how like Google searches for information about fever might be an early warning sign of a flu outbreak or a COVID outbreak. So I feel like this is that too. If a unit that you know had a certain ratio of vulnerability to gratitude starts to see vulnerability spiking, what's that mean? You know, what's going on? Let's figure that out before something bad happens. Mm-hmm. Before they lose all their nurses. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's exactly right. Well, the app's name is Hummin, H-U-M-M-I-N apostrophe. You got to remember the apostrophe at the end. Like yes. I said, I had downloaded it on my phone and poked around in it. Your name is visible. I found it as well in there. My name's visible. I I think it's kind of interesting. If we can help with your your data and poke around and try it out, I encourage all the Dr. Me First listeners, it's free. You just sign up with your email address and they don't like steal all your data or anything. So That's right. And it's it's just a long press for vulnerability. It's a three press for gratitude, right? Correct. Correct. And if you want to sign up with some buddies, there's easy ways to do that too. To make your groups. Yeah. Right. And it's for both uh, Apple and Android in the app store for both. Thank you very much. I'm an Android user. I hate it when things are just Apple. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on and talking about this. I always think it's cool when people are doing projects because, you know, so many times we hear about like the success at the end 
And and I'm always like, well, how did you get into that? How did how did that come to be? And I think it's great that you articulated that it started with a relationship and just showing up and being interested and curious. Yeah, absolutely. And so for the clinical folks that are in your audience, if you make friends with people like Professor Jeff, who are, you know, totally outside of my world, but it turns out we liked each other and we decided we wanted to do something together, it can open all sorts of doors for you. Yeah, it's module eight in my CME course, networking, how we do it wrong as doctors. <laughs> And how to do it better. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, for always sharing your wisdom with me. And I'm excited to see what new projects you get into in 2022. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. I've heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Just so you know, I have no financial interest in this app. I just think it's really fun and cool. Hence, I'm talking about it a lot. So don't forget, go download Hummin' and interact with some people. Track a little bit on your emotional vital sign and see how you're doing. Maybe get some coworkers or some BFFs to join you as well. Don't forget, my friends, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See you around.
Shrubs and heavy lids Shrubs and heavy lids 